Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Inside the Five. I'm Griff. I'm Will. I'm Stop. And in this episode, we're going to be previewing the final four. We got Duke, UNC. We got Kansas, Villanova. We're going to talk a little bit about the Celts, and we are going to talk Red Sox spring training. So let's get right into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <clears throat> All right, guys, welcome back. We're going to get things kicked off with a matchup of the century, Duke, UNC, in the Final Four. Um, Huge matchup. What do we got, guys? Um, I guess I'll kick things off. As much as it pains me to say this, I think Duke's going to win just because the narrative is just there. I mean, Coach K getting revenge on the team that hurt his little goodbye party in the final game that Coach K Stadium and Coach K Court and all that stuff. Um, I got Duke. They're hot right now. It pains me to say it, but yeah. I mean, I, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, this is one of those games. Um, at the end of the day, I just want, you know, the refs to have a good game. Uh, go out there, run up and down the court. Um, get the black Reebok uh, zigs going, you know, what, what all the basketball refs wear. Um, maybe blow a couple whistles here and there. At the end of the day, I just want the refs to win, to be honest. You know, and I'm totally saying this because Duke's going to win. And I'm sorry. I'm a UNC fan. They, like, this is just, like, two-story book of an ending. Um, the only way I see UNC actually winning this game is if one of our guards take over, which is totally, like, doable. You know what I'm saying? Well, um, <clears throat> like, I mm-hmm. think R.J. Davis or Caleb Love can really take over this basketball game. They can force Duke's guards to play some defense, which, in my opinion, that's probably the weakest point of that team is their defense in the um, in the backcourt. <clears throat> so if if we can see Caleb Love, R.J. Davis have 25, 30 points, this is a UNC victory. If not, I think the way that Duke's been playing, they're just so dangerous to me. Um, UNC has to play a perfect game, Will. Um. Yeah, no, this is probably one of the most scariest things that, like, just coming to realization that Duke is going to go to the final, probably end up winning it all just for the narrative, just because that's the thing. Um, I think UNC is going to win. Obviously, that's extremely biased because I am a UNC fan, and I just don't want to admit that yet, and I'll be rooting everything I got for UNC to win this game. Um, I think, once again, I think – Brady, Brady Manic will be the reason why we win this game. I don't even think the guard play will be it. If they stop Brady Manic, then our guards will be open. So, like, I feel like we're just – we have that capability with multiple ends that can score. I just – I don't know. You know, so, I don't so, <clears throat> the reason – I'll stop. My fault. All right. If, if I can interrupt – I don't. I think we're kind of going into this game with a very negative mindset towards um, UNC. We're. It feels like right now we're not giving them a shot. 
I kind of want to make it clear. I really am giving them a shot. I think that if they have the right game plan to do it, they dominated them in that last game. And if Duke's players really like cowered it out in the the big moment of Coach K's final home game, who's to say they're not going to do the same thing in the final four? Like all the eyes are going to be on this game. There's so much hype around this game where I feel like UNC has thrived under pressure and Duke's never really had pressure. Like in this tournament, they've had kind of an easier path than most, in my opinion. I mean, Texas tech was their first real test in my, like Michigan state. They're okay. Just if they had a different coach, no one would have given Michigan state a shot. Texas tech. Okay. They were okay. In the last game that they had, they blew them out. Like that game was never close. So I really am giving UNC a chance here. I think if I were to give percentages, it's 60, 40 Duke towards UNC and that's going to sway. I think, the first 10 minutes of this game, they're going to decide who's going to win it because the guards for UNC have to be on their game. They have, Caleb Love has to be do, has to do what he's been doing all tournament, which is dominating. RJ Davis has to be that guy. He has to get at least like, I want to put him 15 to 20 points. And Brady Manick has to stay out of foul trouble. You, If Brady Manick's on Paolo Bentero all game, I love that. I think that's perfect for UNC. They need that matchup. I mean, obviously you've got um, Amato Bangkok kind of patrolling the paint. They have a chance. Like UNC is a very talented team. They're very well coached and there's a lot of hype around them. That's going to drive them. Right. So, so the reason I came out here and I said, UNC has to play a perfect game. It's, I mean, it's kind of cause they do and it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like, and Brady Manick, the reason I feel like I've had him as my guy that has to do good to succeed all year. The reason I don't have him doing that um, in this game is, I think we need 10 to 15 for Manic minimum. He's going to be guarded by Banchero pretty much the whole game. So it's kind of like when we trade off, like, or you can kind of say cancel out a player for a player. Like if Brady Manic, who plays awesome defense, can, can do his own and match Paolo Banchero, then that takes him out of the game. And I think that Duke needs Paolo more than we need Manic. And that's why I'm saying that our guards are going to have to do a lot of this heavy lifting because I think that we have better guards overall than Duke. Duke has um, A.J. Griffin, who's a shooter, but all he can really do is shoot. He's okay um, the perimeter defense. But R.J. Davis and Caleb Love are better than Duke's one and Duke's two. So I think that it's going to really come down to that for UNC. Um, if Duke pulls – Pulls off a, a victory. I think it's because going to be because of Banchero, his passing ability, finding those open threes, and then their center. If it, it really comes down to Duke center, I think his last name is Williams. He had a mm-hmm. great game last game, and um, it really down to him against Armando Baycott. If he can hold Baycott to less than 15 points, then UNC is screwed. Like. And, and it's not even close. I think Baycott's going to go out there and he's going to go get his rebounds. But if you can't, if you can control him on the offensive side of the glass, then that is a whole aspect of UNC's brand that we are now missing. And, and Duke might smoothly go through this game. But it's kind of like we can cancel Duke's players out, but we can't get our players canceled out if you guys know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's gonna it's gonna be a a good one, and it's gonna be a, a historic matchup. I'm expecting anything else. Um, I think we should move on to our next game, 
which is the Jayhawks, uh, me and Stav's national champion pick. Wait, Will, is it yours too? Yeah. As a pod, we had okay, Kansas. Our- like in the March Madness, yeah, so we did have we Kansas had- in the final against Kentucky. But hey, fifty percent is pretty good for March Madness. Yes. So so Kansas out there playing against the free throw boys, Villanova, Stav. This is a big game for you. These are your two teams. I'll let you get us kicked off. Who's going to win? Why are they going to win? Um, I got to go Kansas. I do think that Kansas' brand of basketball right now, we kind of spoke about this on Monday, but they're just hot. You know, They're doing everything right. They're demoralizing teams when they go up against them. You know, First half, Kansas, they kind of, it's kind of like a feeling out process. And then the first 10 minutes of, or the first five minutes of the second half happen, and it's like a 15, 20-point game. Everyone's like, what the hell happened? So Kansas, um, Oche Obaji, he's going to go off. Um, Villanova, oh, I feel bad. I forgot the guy's name who got hurt, but he's going to be out. Um, that hurts Villanova a lot. You know, the keys to winning March Madness games, as I've said, like I, it's kind of turned into a little inside joke here about how Villanova's going to free throw you to death, but they went 15-15 in the Elite Eight. You know, that helps them a lot. That's a quarter of their points. And that's not going to happen against Kansas. Kansas plays very solid defense. Kansas is going to run you to death. Like, you are not going to get to the line as much as you did against Houston. And congrats to Villanova on a great year, but Kansas is just too good to for Villanova to hang with. Yeah. No, I agree. I think Kansas is just easy dub. Oh, I'm on mute. I think it's simple. I actually really think that this game is simple. Um, I think you can't overlook this game in terms of money line, but in terms of spread, I'm a little bit nervous because I think the Jayhawks are getting a, a nice little, nice little deduction of their points of four and a half. It's Kansas minus four and a half. A five point game is kind of a lot <clears throat> in the final four. And especially with a team, Kansas, who's 32-6, and six, Villanova, who's 30-7, and seven, they're a two-seed. I could have had them as a one-seed, to be honest, coming out of the Big East as well. Um, this is a, this is more of an even matchup, as I think we, we are seeing it as. But Kansas, at the end of the day, I just think that they, they're going to pull it off. I really think that Kansas has has the two guys in Remy Martin and Oche Ogbaji who are just going to take over this game in the final four. They're clutch players. Exactly what to do with the ball. They have the big, they have the size, and they have the shooters. I mean, it's Kansas. They always have the shooters. If, if you're not a superstar player as a Kansas Jayhawk, you shoot like 40% from beyond the arc. So I'm, I'm really not nervous for Kansas. As for the spread, I think I like Kansas' spread too. I'm not 100% sure on it, but I do love UNC at the line they're getting. So I don't, I don't the know line how, that one? how everybody else is feeling about that. For the UNC game, I want to say it's around five as well. Unless it moves. I actually like right the, that if, one's if tough. It's, if it's five, I'm gonna. I would like to take UNC. I mean, not. A, I'm not a betting man, but it's four. I do it's four now. I still like Duke four, minus four. To be honest, that kind of scares me. I do like four points with UNC because how much were Duke? Duke was given twelve in the uh, Coach K final game. So I really don't think yeah, the spread. 12. The spread, if you're going to bet the spread, you bet the money line for these games. Because if it's that close of a game, UNC will win. And if it's four points for Villanova, I mean, I take that back for Villanova and Kansas. I think 
that it can be a close game just because of Villanova's brand of basketball, especially because they can win the low scoring games, but and if it's close, then it's kind of anyone's game. And free throws matter. Right. So if if Villanova can turn it like the keys, if I'm Villanova, if I'm Jay Wright, the keys to success here, you attack, you gotta get the line, you can't turn the ball over. You turn the ball over against Kansas, you're screwed. Look at Miami. All they did in the to begin the second half, um, last Sunday was turn the ball over. You turn the ball over like five, ten times, it's over. You can't because Kansas is gonna score in transition, they're gonna score quick, and you're gonna get down quick and you can't come back against them. Yeah, uh, it, it's <clears throat> it, it's interesting because Villanova plays such a technical style of basketball where I feel like it's all fundamentals um, with a little mix of, of smoothness in it. And, and the Big East is just such a awesome conference when it comes to one team just taking over for a whole year. So I, I really think that this is going to be the end of that run. I think Villanova had a great year. And Kansas is just too good. And, I, and honestly, I know we're going to talk about it more when we have – actually, no, we're not going to talk about it more when we have things set because the, the national championship is on Monday. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll talk about it on Monday, but, but it, the episode won't be out until Tuesday. So I'm going to say right now Kansas is going to be the national champion. I don't think it matters who is on the other side of the ball. I, I really don't. I really think that Kansas is better than Duke. I really think Kansas is better than UNC. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there before the game is played. Um, like, Because this is pretty much the last time I'll be talking to everybody through the internet until, um, until the national championship is played. So I, I wanted to get that out there as well. I really think Kansas is going to be a national champion by the time we release our next episode. Um, my thoughts on that? I think... Obviously, we all think Kansas is going to win mm-hmm. or to go to the national championship. However, if Duke advances to the national championship, Kansas will win. But if UNC advances, UNC will win. That's just how I think it will. I mean, as I've said probably every single episode, I don't have a dog in the fight when it comes to UNC. Like, I'm not saying that just to cater to my boys here. But, like, UNC, if they can beat Duke here, they just love adversity. They love being the underdog. And their guards can compete with anyone. And it really does come down to Brady Manick, and I think Brady Manick can hold his own against anyone in in the game right now. So it's that's kind of my prediction. So Kansas against Duke, but UNCA against Kansas. Well, um, what about you? I like that stuff. I think I think Kansas is going to win it all. I just like I just don't see how they don't. I would like I would like to just be like UNC is going to win it all, but that's just not going to happen. I don't think. I like I. I, that's the same exact boat I'm on, Phil. It's like I want them to win so bad, but I feel like if I say something, then that'll just be the end of it. I don't even want to like yeah. say it. Like I don't want to say it either, but like I really do think, like what Stas said, if UNC advances, they they have I think the best shot to be Kansas. They're the most like hot team as an underdog. Like they like you. That's fair. Like they're just dangerous. They're not like a dangerous I don't team. think that's so. A, that's a really I, I think we seed. can agree. I think we can agree as a podcast. If Kansas matches up against Duke, Kansas has the advantage. Like oh, Kansas yeah, totally. should be favored. In oh the game. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I mean, Kansas is going to be favored in the UNC game as well because UNC is an eight seed. But um, I really think that like th- that's a little bit closer of a spread if Kansas plays Duke compared to if they play on uh, North Carolina. I would guess if. 
Kansas plays Duke, the spread's going to be Kansas minus two and a half or three. That would, that would be my guess around that area. If they play UNC, it might be around four and a half, five. Um, I think that – I like how we're just totally ruling, ruling out Villanova, by the way. I think there's no chance Villanova yeah, wins. There's no chance yeah. they win. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if this game is a blowout. Like, I, and I literally I, think Villanova has no chance. I've been so high on Villanova, as we know. It, there's just way too much for them to overcome in this game. I mean, e- even just that that tough game to watch against Houston in the elite. They they, they had Houston right. That yeah. game really, yes. that game really put me off to them because Kansas isn't gonna hack you a lot. You know what I mean? Kansas is just gonna outrun right. you. They're not they're not gonna get into foul trouble, and that's I mean that's the only way that you win in March Madness when you're an underdog. You gotta control the foul. You gotta all right. Here are my keys for Villanova. Outshoot them from the line, force more turnovers, control the pace of the game. That's huge. You cannot get down by 10 against Kansas because you're not going to come back. And you got to outshoot them from three. Those are my four keys to success for um, for Villanova, but it's just not going to happen. There's too much yeah, for them I to think just that even get that down. It's like, I feel like even if they play a perfect game of the most, I can see them winning by is three or four points because Kansas just, they crawl back. And Kansas had such a difficult season, especially, I, I would say, I don't even think I'd have to argue that the the conference that they play in, especially this year, um, is a lot better than the Big East. I mean, when you when you're comparing... Uh, the two, not saying that the Big East, not ruling out the Big East. You guys know how much of a fan I am of that conference. I think it's a great conference. But I really think that Kansas just is more battle-tested at the end of the day. I just think they're overall the better squad. Kansas beating Villanova. And I have UNC beating Duke. And I have them playing a perfect game. Okay. I think it's a good transition period here to the Celtics keeping it within the sport but going to the NBA. So we're going to talk about Monday's game against the Raptors where the Celtics ended up falling 115 to 112 in overtime. However, they're missing four out of their five starters. They still brought a Raptors who were relatively full strength to overtime. I don't know about you guys, but this game has instilled a big confidence in the Celtics for me that I never thought would really happen. Yeah. I, I, I was excited to talk about this game and, even though it's a loss, I'm counting this one as a win. We went into overtime with with a team that's inside the six. So, uh, like, not in the play. And this is a playoff team at the moment. Um, Pascal Siakam dropped 40. So, what? was on Grant Williams. He's, like, 6-4. Congratulations. Toronto went up in flames that night like it was Philadelphia when they won the Super Bowl. Um, overall, just an embarrassing moment for Toronto. They really treated this like it was bigger than it was. Um, but the reason I'm very happy with this game is um, we saw people come out, and you said Sam Hauser had a good game. He had a good game. Yeah. Peyton Pritchard had a great game. Sadly, my guy Matt Ryan, I was excited to see him potentially get him, but it was a little bit too close of a game for him to uh, see some, some minutes. Um, but we had some very impressive moments from guys that we're going to need to step up, and, th- and that's exactly what they did. I mean, Marcus Smart. First off, the only starter that's there, he dro- he comes out, he drops 28 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. 
That's exactly what we need for Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. If he's the only starter um, that's actually playing, it, it, was, it, it really showed that Marcus Smart has the potential to take over game if need be in this playoff run. Daniel Tice did his thing 13-10. and 10. I mean, we can't ask for too much from Daniel Tice, but he gave us that. I mean, he gave us a double-double. I think that's exactly what he needs to give us. Grant Williams, though, was my MVP of the day um, for that game. Um, you could say it was smart. I'm going to go Grant. 17.7 boards from Grant. If he can do that consistently, and I know he started this game, but he didn't. I mean, he got like 40 minutes. I think that Grant can score like 14 points a game in the playoffs, honestly. He mm-hmm. hits his shots. He gets to the rim, too. And, and him grabbing seven rebounds, um, being an undersized power forward, I think Grant Williams played very impressive that day. And Aaron Neesmith with the three sending us into the – into OT Aaron Neesmith hitting clutch shots when he's I mean struggling to get in the rotation that that just earned him a playoff rotation in my opinion Aaron Neesmith we're going to be seeing him in the playoffs we're going to be seeing Tice until uh Rob Will comes back and speaking of Rob Will we got an analysis four to six weeks um and and I think in the notes we put here could come back earlier till if we rob Will by the second round, do you? I, well, actually, no. Let me rephrase that. Do you think we're actually going to get Rob Will by the second round? I want to say no, because I depending on. I think it really depends on our first round goes, and I just want to rehash the, the way we played against the Raptors. The point that I made in in the last episode, we were talking about how it's like you know how we always get tired when we are missing important guys. I think Payne Pritchard's play. Sam, even Sam Hauser and um, Neesmith, that's key for us when we're healthy besides um, Rob Will. The fact that they can get over 10 points is more than enough to ask for, for us. And then Agreed. Um, I think it really depends. I think it depends, obviously, on his timeline. I think they were saying he's four to six weeks, but there's a chance that he could recover in, like, three. And then his, like week four and week five are going to be like more rehab weeks. So I feel like if anything, we'll be lucky to see him halfway through the second round, if not guaranteed the third. Um, what I'm going to take away from this is I want a matchup with Toronto in the first round. There's nothing that I want more. I think we sweep them. I think out of every single team that's in the playoff picture right now, I think we take care of them the easiest. You know, they run Pascal Siakam at the five. I think they're an absolute joke of a playoff team in my honest opinion like well first off i'm a little biased just because of how the raptors fans reacted to a win against the g league celtics like calm down all right like you guys beat us in overtime when knowing damn well that four of our five starters were not playing um right and jason tatum and jalen brown clamp pascal siakam he only averages 12 and a half points a game when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are playing. So he's got to, he like, congrats. You scored 40 on Sam Hauser and company, but something that did concern me a little bit was how bad Derek white played. Um, Derek white for the first time in his Celtics tenure actually did get a lot of playing time, like starter minutes. You know, obviously he's a guy who comes off the bench and plays very well with Peyton Pritchard, but this was the first time where we needed him to step up and be a starting level point guard and he absolutely fumbled the bag especially in overtime he had crucial turnovers really bad missed shots got his shots blocked 
fouls everything. Like, I mean, everyone has their off night, especially when you're kind of playing a new brand of basketball because he's used to kind of the right. fast paced moving basketball, like kicking it to Jason Tatum and Jason Tatum bailing him out with shots. But now Derek White in that game against Toronto was expected to be that number two guy really behind Marcus Smart, you know, lead the guys. But I mean, that's not really the guy who Derek White is. Derek White's going to be a guy who's going to play defense. He's going to get your assists. He's going to make a few shots here and there. But um, that's something I'm going to kind of look at tonight, especially in the night of this recording. Uh, Celtics face the Heat tonight. Um, I'm going to kind of have a little closer eye on Derek White. Um, I like Derek White. I've never really had anything bad to say about him. But that was a little eye-opening. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I, I wanted to say Derek White, where we have him in the rotation, coming off the bench and Marcus Smart starting. Um, when we first got Derek White, it was it was kind of like, who's going to start? Um, is it going to be Smart and White? Is, is it going to be just Smart? Is it going to be just White, potentially? I think we found this perfect role coming off the bench for us and giving us very quality minutes. I think that's the kind of player he is. Now, in this case where we needed him to step up, he didn't really come through, but I'm not ruling him out. Um, when it comes to the playoffs, so turn it up a notch, but stay in that spot that he, I mean, I guess you could say belongs in. I think that he is the perfect guy to come off the bench. And, and there's a big difference between a bench, like spark plug and, and a key starter. And, and he knows his role. I think he's a little bit too used to his role to just come out in that game. Cause he's not a guy that can come out and, and win you a basketball game. But he, he's someone that can help you guide along that way. So I think Derek White, if, if we don't need him to be a hero, then he is perfectly off doing his role, and he's going to do a fantastic job at his role. But you're right, Stav. If we actually really need him to come through at some point, I'm a little nervous because um, he's been on a Spurs team ever since he's been there, ever since he got uh, drafted there. It's not like it was during the Kawhi Tim Duncan era. Like he he he's rather young and he's been on bad Spurs teams with a great coach. So I don't know what he's gonna do in the playoffs. And, and I, I don't know if he's gonna succeed in the playoffs. I'm praying he does well. I I, I don't know. Um what what are we thinking here, Will, with with Dwight? I agree. I feel like like we do have a, a reason to feel a little worried, but I feel like as a bench collective, I feel like we don't need to be too stressed out just yet. Agreed. Agreed. That's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. Like, we have everything on our bench to really take us to the next level, and we're already good. So I feel like if it, if he needs to come up big, I feel like he'll already be having a good game. We, he won't be having a bad game and be like, hey, we need you to score right now. It's not going to be that scenario. Because at that point, it's going to be Tatum or Brown with the ball. Probably Tatum. <laughs> right. And we'll see tonight. Again, I mean, the night of this recording, Wednesday night, the Celtics have the heat at home. Um, my predictions, if the Celtics win this game, I have full confidence in them that they'll make a title run. Because if they can beat the number one seed Miami Heat tonight without Rob Williams, a hypothetical matchup for them would be around the conference finals, especially with the way the seeding is right now. Bring me the heat. Like, this is a huge test for the Celtics team to see if they can uh, stop, especially a guy like Bam Adebayo, who I think is a really top 15 player. He is insane. He does everything for the Heat. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Like, the NBA community does not appreciate how good Bam Adebayo is just because of the brand of basketball that the Heat play. But this is just um, 
This is a class of the Titans. Two defensive powerhouses. Celtics at home. The Celtics are 2-0 against the Heat this year. And with two of those wins kind of being pre- previously in the year when um, they weren't really like who they are now. So what do we think tonight? I got the Celtics right. winning in like a low scoring game. I think this is going to be like a 95 to 90 game. Um, I, I just have a quick question to stop. Do we, do we have an injury report for tonight's game? Oh, um, it's yeah. um, Rob will obviously out uh, Tatum and Brown are day to day. And I believe that's it. So, so we haven't got like a full, like we don't know exactly if JB and JT are playing. Um, I did not. Cause that's anything. what I was. I assume they're going to play. That's what I was assuming when they were listed day-to-day. I'm assuming they're just always on day-to-day because I feel like they're always just are. Right. Okay. No, they, they well, will play. They will play. Okay. okay. Brown, Jason I'm going to go, go play. the Celtics. I'm going to go the Celtics 108, and I think the Heat are going to score 99 points. Um, I think that the Celtics are going to prove a little something-something on defense tonight without Rob Will. We're, we're making a run here. To finish off this season, six games left without Robert Williams. We'll see him in four to six weeks. Um, yeah, it's t- hold on. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's it's Tommy night. They're honoring Tommy Hines oh, tonight. Oh. Yeah. No, we're winning. We're winning. We're, I don't even know why we're even, like, debating it then. Oh. That, that yeah, should have been the first that's, thing. That's easy. Said. Oh. And it's home. So, Celtics, 110-99. Yeah, uh, huge intramural basketball game for myself tonight. But but our, I mean, me, I have like a dynamic duo with this kid. He's going to the Celtics game tonight. Uh, so I'm gonna be without him. I, I'm gonna have to take. Him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there too. Marcus Smart ask. Uh, <laughs> but but I I think the Celtics pulled this one away tonight. Uh, and, and this is gonna kind of be like a moment where Jason Tatum takes over, and he's gonna be like, "We're all right." And I think this is. Jason Tatum's real. I think these last six games to end off the season, this is a test for Jason Tatum, and I, and I'm interested to see how he does. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean, we'll stick with the city. We'll talk about the Red Sox a little bit. You know, we haven't talked about them in a minute. I, I think ever since Story signed, but um, season starts in about a week, and it's an exciting time for baseball. Uh, Trevor Story made his debut today for the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. He um had a single in his first hit drove in an rbi went one for two at the day he walked as well um this lineup is great in my opinion i i'm really excited i think one of the big takeaways from the spring training is i think jbj has earned a little trust he can Mm -hmm. he can get the barrel on the ball and he's making good plays in the field i feel like we can gain a little trust early on in the season obviously i think we have the players to really make some adjustments if needed but i i mean personally i feel like i trust david j a little bit more than when we signed him yeah Yeah, um this game in specific we took on the atlanta braves today on wednesday march the 30th like we said stop um trevor story's first day out um I, I like Story in the field. I like his little flip specs too. That brings a lot of confidence out to to be able to actually rock those. That's like that's like if you like play basketball and you wear back specs. Like let's be honest, it used to be cool in like the eighties, but but you can either be a loser or look cool doing it. Trevor Story looked cool. Um, th- this lineup, I'm a big fan of. I'm actually a big fan of, and I'm glad that you guys brought up JBJ 
um, because in my opinion, out of the three of us, I feel like I was the one that was most down on him. And I really didn't believe in him. And every time we talked about the Red Sox, I said, we need a right fielder. JBJ is doing his thing. Like, he's not doing too bad at all. He's getting on base around 32% of the time. If he can do that, I mean, I'd take, I'd take 300 OBP from him. And, and he can bat eighth for us. And another person um, who I, I need to see flash that bat a little bit more is Sivak. I love Pulecki, um at the plate. I love Sivak behind the plate. If Christian Vasquez can get his swing going, then one through nine, I feel confident with going into the game and having a big at bat late, late in the game. I, I'm, I'm really a big fan of this lineup. And I also wanted to say I'm a big guy when it comes to pitching. I think Tanner Houck did a fantastic job today. Um, he, he gave us four innings of solid pitches. He only let up one earned run. He had four Ks. He let up, uh, I want to say, one walk. Or no, I don't think he walked anybody, actually. Um, Tanner he Houck, someone. he's going to did, – did he walk somebody? He hit someone. Then maybe he had one walk. But I, I think Tanner Houck is going to be a real big piece for us throughout this long season. And I think Tanner Houck's a guy that can stay healthy for us and kind of float around our third and fir- fourth starter in that rotation. So I'm glad that we got to see him out today. Another person that pitched a nice little inning, Azu Sawamora, my favorite reliever, um, gave us an inning, only one hit. That was about it. Um, his ERA for spring training is a 1688, just around where I like it from Sawamora. Um, I'm, I'm very high. Not actually. But, but I'm very high on the Red Sox right now. And this is pretty much the only bright point in in my life is the Red Sox. So if they if they fold, then then everything folds with it. Boston sports is at an all time high right now, guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy. I, I mean I mean the bees just lost a big one last night. But at the same time, I honestly only like hockey when it's the playoffs. Um, <laughs> I watch regular season hockey. I am a baseball, basketball and football guy. Um and soccer go Liverpool. Um Will, don't get mad at me. I'm sorry. Um, but the Red Sox. I'm high on the Red Sox. I'm high on the Celtics. I'm high on Boston sports. I am happy to be a Boston sports fan. JBJ is my eighth batter. That's that's what I have to say. Yeah, I want Bobby Dahlbeck to really take this momentum from spring training into the regular season. Because last year we saw the same thing where he was dominant in spring training and then fell off the first half of the year, but then picked it up in the second half of the year. He has all the momentum. This first base, like first base position is his to lose because right now Cassis isn't ready. Cassis has kind of struggled in spring training and Bobby's just thrived. Bobby's been there before. He has playoff experience. Like he's been there. This job is his to lose. He's playing very well in defense. Um, his barrel weight was insanely high last year. He's met, he's getting a lot of contact hits, like, a big knock on Bobby Dahlbeck, especially to start his career, was he's a home runner strikeout guy. If we can get the average, like I've said this number, the magic 275 for Bobby Dahlbeck, I can't see anyone who has a better lineup than us in the AL. I'm glad you said right. Bobby Dahlbeck because I was really just going to run I'm right, glad you said it too. Run right well, into it. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said it because I was going to say it if you didn't. I like. I think one of our keys, obviously, I said JBJ earlier. I think one of our biggest keys on the offensive side of the ball is if um, Bobby Dahlbeck stays consistent throughout the season. Even if he does has his slumps, everyone has them. But his slump can't be the whole first half of the season. It it, it can't drag out, and we can't have questions going into the All Star break if we're going to be a serious contender. 
That, that's very true. And, and another thing that kind of makes me a little bit more confident in Bobby D this season is a very impressive spring training. He did good spring training last year as well. Um, Schwarber came in and he started hitting bombs. Bobby was back. It was awesome. Bobby likes to have a little spark um, under under his butt. Like he likes to have be on the hot seat. You know, when there's pressure, the best baseball players perform well under pressure. But Bobby has somebody that could potentially take his spot. That man can hit the ball. He can hit the ball in very. It's not. It's not even clutch situations. It's just every at bat for him at, during the second half of that season last year. In his head, he was like, "If I'm not, if I'm not about to get a hit, then I'm just going to get replaced by Schwarber." Yeah. Now, I think that having Casas behind him, a younger guy, in in at this point, it's like, do we move on from Bobby and, and we go for Casas and start him young, or is Bobby going to do something? I think Bobby's going to prevail prevail in that situation. Bobby likes to have somebody that's behind him that could potentially be in front of him. He likes to make those at-bats when he has a lot of pressure on him. At least that's what I've seen from him. I'm very excited that we have a little competition during spring training. That's going to let a fire under his butt, and and he's going to get going. And I think he's going to have a good season. I really do. And with that, um, he loves to rake in uh, Yankee Stadium, too, where we open up our series a week from tomorrow. Right, mm-hmm. it's a week from tomorrow. A week from yeah, it's a week from tomorrow. Yeah. Wow, baseball is almost all the way back. Like, I, like we can talk about this for hours about how the ultimate highs and lows of this offseason, the lockout, the immense free agent movement across the league. But I'm excited, guys. This is an exciting time of the year. I agree. I mean, it's, it's honestly it, kind it, of shocking that we're here. Like, I'm ready. I'm so ready. I'm so happy that baseball is here every single night. I'm thinking about getting an MLB TV subscription, even though it's like $200, I'm just so excited. 130 I think so. There's a discount right now. Maybe I'll get a second half deal. Um, yeah. I just need st- something for the Red Sox off nights. But I'll figure it out. I don't know about 100. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm so excited for baseball season. I I think that this podcast is going to take a big turn in what we talk about in the spring and the summer. I, I feel like we all three of us are very in on the Red Sox. We're very in on baseball, and I'm excited for this to become more of a baseball podcast come summer. Mm-hmm. I just really wanted to say that because I I think we're going to enjoy it a lot throughout the summer. Um, life is so much better when there's baseball um, in stadiums, um, Fenway Park. I mean, the Mecca, the, the absolute Mecca. That's where you want to be every single night. Um, the Red Sox are here. The Red Sox are going to win the World Series this year. The 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 Celtics are going to win the finals. Guys, do we have anything else for this episode? Or, or we got a um, quick one? I'm... Just want to end the episode by thanking both Griff and Will for donating to me and for Fantasy Baseball. Um, thanks for the donation, uh, guys. Uh, yeah, my tra- the no trash can drummers are really going to just dominate. I don't really see a world where I don't. But, um, yeah, that's all I got to say, guys. This is a good episode. Willie? Um, go UNC. For sure. Go Tar Heels. Go Celtics. Go Red Sox. We will see you guys on Tuesday 
We hope you enjoyed the month of March as well. We will see you guys in April. We sleep in May. Peace. Peace. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 